This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Chef Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We have a great show today. Our guest is Paulo Almeida, who is the CEO of Clientscape. More about that company and Paulo in just a few moments. Before we get into that, you know the drill if you've listened to the show before. If you've got an amazing story that you would like to share or a question that you'd like me to answer, please reach out to me on any of the social channels. I am pretty much everywhere, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And if it is a question, remember to use the hashtag Ask Shep. I'll answer the question right there uh, on the social channel. I might do it on uh, this particular show. I might answer it in a blog, but I will answer it. I may even answer it in my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, and even YouTube. And if you go to beamazing.tv, you can catch some of the latest episodes. All right, that's it. Let's get into our interview. Are you ready? Paulo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, Shep. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited uh, because we love talking to people who are actually doing what it is that we're talking about week after week. It's all about creating a great customer experience and client experience. Uh, so let's talk a little bit briefly about uh, Clientscape. You're the CEO of Clientscape, and I'm going to give you my summation as to what Clientscape is. And you can correct me and embellish. How's that? <laughs> it's real easy. I've always said for years and years that the company that can create a solution that allows a customer to come in from any channel, it could be I'm I'm calling you, I'm texting you, I'm uh, so, social media, I'm coming to you, I, I've complained or asked a question on Twitter, Facebook, um, maybe I'm using WhatsApp, uh anything, an app of the company, it all comes into one place, making it really easy for the customer service agent to then say, here's the answer. And it goes right back on the same channel, but to the agent, it's just easy. They don't have to go into 11 different screens to find whatever it is, the, the channel they're on. Is that a great way to describe your company? So that's a brilliant way to describe what we do. Uh, and obviously it's challenging. Uh, and I would say that it's 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 almost like the holy grail of what everyone talks about, but not many companies are able to deliver on that quest. Uh, and you were spot on on everything you just said. So we, we look towards aggregating all of the potential places where customers might engage, whether it be social media channels, reviews, uh, mobile apps. And again, the, the importance here is reducing the time the agent would spend, you know, thrifting through multiple data pools. We want to present him with a single place. We call it our universal inbox. The universal and inbox. I love it. The universal inbox. <laughs> and we also bring what, what we also call accelerators, which is allowing the agent to pick up on what is most urgent, what is 
that subject or that customer that requires the, the, the fastest or the best assistance at that precise moment in time. So it has a lot of you know data working in the background to make those requests surface ahead of many others which might be you know less important or that are not uh, so urgent to the end user that is waiting on the other side. Uh, and again, we also see that for the customer, it's irrelevant with which you know media presence he might be speaking with the brand. His expectation of getting excellent service is equal, no matter what channel he might be using. And that's exactly what we try to match, which is be available everywhere and at all times. Uh, wow. So I've got a question for you that has nothing to do with any of the talking points that uh, you've sent ahead and that we've talked about. Uh, in the idea that they'll reach out to us on any channel... I believe, and, and by the way, now we're moving from specific clientscape to general customer experience. And I think this is important to everybody listening, whether you're the CEO or owner of a company, you're a salesperson, you're you're in the customer support, it doesn't matter. Here's the point. Customers reach out to you on a specific channel of their choice, okay? Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I, I'd love a real quick yes or no. Do you agree we should keep them on that channel or do we try to move them to an easier channel? For so, us, uh, easier for us, not for the customer. I, I, I would say, I would say that's not what the customer wants. The exactly, customer wants you got to keep them in the, the same channel. Convenient. I would agree, hundred percent. Yes. Right. So then, customers have different expectations on time. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. if I send you an email, or I send you a text, or I reach out to you through social media, have you done any research to understand what the uh, optimum response times are? Yes, so we have a lot of data on that, but the optimal response time has a lot to do more with the subject matter than actually the channel itself. So, for example, we've seen boom, that in boom, that's in, that's big right there. <laughs> so, in specific industries, the requests. So, for example, one of the most demanding industries, which is one of the ones we serve, is transportation, whether it's air transportation or ground transportation. The customer has a question that is imminent. I need to know now, or this might change the outcome of my trip or my meeting. And I need this in a timely manner. So I need within the next five minutes, I really need an answer whether I'm going to catch this plane or the next. So that has a certain degree of urgency, which obviously has its own way of being managed. So it might require larger teams to be highly scalable and more available. Whereas if I'm asking for something related to, um, I don't know, a car insurance or something that can have a larger lag time, what the user, what the customer will actually be looking for is something that falls within his expected time frame, but also that it comes rounded, which means the answer comes as complete as possible. What we don't want is to be constantly deflected and handed from agent to agent down an infinite pipeline of you know solving the mystery, which is the case that I need solved. So that meaning that depending on the industry, Clientscape can be set up to be very fast and effective in answering the customer within what I would say the expected amount of time would be under two minutes. And in other industries, this can be even 24 hours and it would not generate any customer uh, dissatisfaction. So the customer will actually be the one to tell us. So whether, for example, coming back to us and even in an industry where the expectation is not the quickest turnaround, if the customer themselves is very persistent and is like messaging us constantly, we pick up on that signal and say, hey, this guy for some reason you know, sees this as being very urgent to him. Let's pick up on the conversation and get back to him as soon as possible. And you have something, uh, an AI machine behind the scenes that's driving that decision. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. We tend to call AI everything in our days. That to us is something as simple as just 
it's programmatic. It's something that if it is reoccurring and if it's in a short time frame and these intervals, this frequency is coming in fast, it's not even AI. It's just simple algorithm that will pick up on that and say, hey, this is urgent. Uh, we leave AI for much deeper dwelling into what the best answer might be or what the best turnaround or product offering might be, which is a deeper cognitive uh, sense of the business. Great. Well, let's let's get into something very general right now. Mm-hmm. What an amazing three years we've had. The past Absolutely. three years. March of 2020 to 21 yep. to 22. Now we're in 23. Um, mm-hmm. It's been three years. What is, you know, how are companies adopting to, I think, a customers changing expectations in a post-COVID world? Hmm. So, on that, we're very pragmatic, which is it's not enough to say you're changing. You really have to you know, walk the walk. Mm-hmm. So I'd say 90% of companies will say upfront that they are challenging, they are facing that, and they are solving that issue. And I would have to refute that information and say, no, you're not, uh, because you're not taking the appropriate steps to fix the problem. But to those talented and forward-looking companies that saw this as a perspective to evolve and gain upon the competition, thus choosing better tools and actually becoming customer-centric, those have shown that this paradigm shift has placed them in a forefront. So tiny, small organizations are you know, grabbing a larger percentage of the market or having these customers finding a greater sense of loyalty with them than when compared to like a large company that might be spending millions of dollars in customer experience, but they're just not nailing it precisely. Because you can spend a lot of money and still not be uh, totally effective. So we've also evolved into just not only uh, the post-pandemic world, but on top of that, we saw uh, supply chain issues, employee issues, uh, now economic issues with what is uh, pending. People are saying a world recession. So it's like this perfect storm of all things coming together. So this kind of ties into uh, how companies are adopting to this post-COVID, they're really adapting to a perfect storm of multiple issues. And what we've seen, and tell me what you experience, is that companies tend to try to cut expenses when things get really tight and lean. Do you see them uh, making the mistake of cutting? Uh, I, I always say don't cut in places where the customer is going to uh, recognize it. But do you see companies actually cutting back on their support uh, because that's just the place they can do it. And obviously, to me, that's a mistake. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love your opinion on I, what you're, you're seeing out there. I agree with you 100%. What will happen is usually, and again, I'm speaking in general terms, so companies with large structures that are, for example, on the stock exchange and have you know a huge amount of shareholders, there will be shareholder pressure for them to perform in the light of a coming recession. So they will be forced to make cuts and these cuts have to be very visible because they, it will signal to their shareholders that they know what they're doing. And this usually comes, obviously, to the worst part, which is uh, by sacrificing that which is easiest to cut. So the first things that go when a recession is pending is uh, uh, HR count. So uh, you, you need to go and cut our staff shorter. So usually they'll look at who is the cheapest staff to let go that have you know, the, the more cheap golden parachutes that don't need to go uh, home with a lot of money in their pockets. And usually, unfortunately, that is support staff. They, they're the underrated heavy fighter within a company, but they're usually the first to be cut. Ouch. So if you're, yeah, unfortunately, it's true. So right. if you're a large company and you're, you're even if you're one of the, you know, the, 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 the banner companies of customer experience, uh, they will always be affected in this area. So, but it can go two ways. 
it is possible if you're doing a good job to cut costs while never sacrificing customer satisfaction. And that would be looking at the problem and saying, so how can we maintain volume and quality of you know, customer request processing, even though we might sacrifice headcounts? And what would that look like? So for example, one of the things we've been defending for the last six years is that text messaging and managing written content exchanged between our customers is far more efficient to manage large loads than managing, for example, phone calls. A phone call will always have an operator stopped and dedicated to that phone call for that amount of time. While text messaging, the operator is free to pursue multiple subjects, multiple customer requests at the same time and multitask. So you cannot scale call operations without having a direct implication on the growing cost. However, you can choose to divert where your customers will be heading or where they might be you know, more well-processed and have them go to a written medium. So for example, mm -hmm. uh, one of our customers were at the very first uh, large-scale pilot we did. They were heavily reliant on their phone call operations and it was an airline company and they would be receiving, I would say, 85 to 86% of all of the customer requests over the phone line. When we actually challenged them to do something very, very uh, risky, which was if anyone is calling in and they're delayed for more than X amount of seconds or minutes on the phone call, the IVR system would say, did you know we also you know, manage our customers on WhatsApp, please use this number or even speak to us over Facebook or Twitter? And obviously there was an immediate consequence where all these customers would immediately deflect to those channels they would sense that the message was getting through and they, were, you know, they weren't being frustrated by being maybe 40 minutes uh, waiting on the line. And the answers were being fed back to them also very quickly. So all of a sudden, you were able to move a large amount of these customers to these mediums. And the, the, the most interesting thing is they remained using those mediums for the upcoming situations that they needed to contact this company. So a brilliant you taught, example. You taught and, them to go to something other than human to human. Yes. So you are deflecting them. You are telling them to go where it's more convenient to you, but knowing that it is definitely convenient to them. And again, taking into account that this was air transportation, we were actually telling them to stop making international phone calls, complaining about a flight because they were dislodged somewhere in a foreign country, calling in, paying roaming fees and, you know, being a long time on the line. And that weighs on their, their mindset saying that they're spending a lot of money, having them go onto a data plan sending a WhatsApp message, something that they can plug in onto the airport's Wi-Fi, for example. Right. And that was even given as a pretext, which is like, you know, use your data plan and, and collaborate with us and we'll be in touch, we'll be helping you. And the customer isn't feeling that they're spending, you know, an expensive amount on money on communications, keeping the line open. Right. And that had them, you know, quickly rushing to that uh, medium and actually coming back to the company and saying, great, great work. And thanks for the suggestion. I really appreciate it. They saw it as an added value suggestion and not as, man, you guys were piping me to somewhere else just because it's convenient to you. It was yeah. effectively yeah. convenient it, it, to the end user. That's important, making them feel like we're giving you a choice that might be more convenient, less friction. We're going to take a break. Right. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you uh, three different areas. Uh, number one, you mentioned you know, you can hear uh, an agent can handle multiple texts and and interactions that are uh, more text based than voice based. Obviously, you can only talk to one person at a time. I want your opinion on just how effective or how many uh, conversations can be handled at one time. Number two, I want to talk to you about a decision that an airline here in the U.S. made to eliminate 
all human-to-human interaction uh, on their customer support. That's an interesting topic. And number three, I want to talk about personalization because I know that's really an important topic today as well. We're going to talk about that and more when we come back from a short break. You are listening to Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Paulo Almeida, who is the CEO of ClientSpace. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert, and I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Paulo Almeida, who is the CEO of Clientscape. Great insights, Paulo. Thank you so much. So this is a real simple question. You mentioned how uh, human to human is great. Uh, if it's voice, it's one, it's, it's, it's uh, one person talking to one person. And that means that this agent can do nothing else except focus on, which by the way, is not a bad thing for certain situations. I believe that we should reserve these conversations for deeper, more important, higher, uh, I don't know, uh, complicated types of conversations. But you said uh, the agent can also handle multiple conversations at once if it's more text-based, whether it's coming through an Mm -hmm. app, social channel. How many conversations at once do you think they can handle? Okay, so this this has us working collaboratively now with AI. So take this example, and it's the, one of the best examples we can give. There is a, an air pilot strike in this airline, and everyone on that flight is affected. We're talking about 200 passengers, which all have the same request. How do I fix this? What is the next flight I can get on? How do I get home? How do I get to my meeting? Exactly. Right. So if the, the, the platform picks up on what these requests are and knows where they're coming from and lines them all up, the agent needs only to give one answer, which is this These this is your first course of action that you must do. Go here or go to this desk, report and do this. And that single answer can be sent out to all these people which are exactly under the same circumstance. And that's one way of scaling an operation. Even if That's a if proactive done, response. So even if the other, you're talking to one, one person, but if there's 199 people that are affected on this flight, it yep. blasts to that, all of them. Absolutely, because that information is relevant to everyone, even if they at that moment were already sorting for the answer themselves. If it comes proactively from the airline company, they're going to say, hey, cool service, you know, because it is a proactive answer reaching out to them. Second, the other thing that we do is constantly, and this is something we're also very adamant about, is this AI working in the background is picking up on the signals between what an agent will say in light of the certain subject and is learning from that. And it will allow the agent also to accelerate how he will answer any request coming up, you know, in the near future. What this means is many times when we need to solve a customer issue, the agent needs to think about it and understand, you know, what kind of information he has to gather along. 
And our systems take care of that by automating as much as it can to bring the answer to the agent. And we've seen agents performing very complex tasks of assembling a very complete answer with a lot of suggestions. And this being done in under five seconds per customer request. So we've seen some amazing results, again, taking into case this airline company or even other e-commerce operations we work with. We've seen agents outperform a call center by 2,500%. That means 25 more cases being solved in the same unit of time. Yes. 25. And so, but my original question was how many conversations at the same time? Uh, two, we've seen them three, on five? average. We've seen them on average floating between four and seven conversations simultaneously. Wow. Wow. It's because yeah. I notice when I'm talking to an agent via text, sometimes I'm not getting the answer back for another minute. I assume because I know what's going on in the background, they're helping two or three other people at the same they time. They are exactly, yeah. exactly. That's exactly but what they do. It's faster than if I were trying to on the call phone. somebody, get on hold, authenticate yes. myself, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It could take two minutes just before I can even ask the question. And that's by the way, two minutes after the phone was picked up, who knows Correct. how long Correct. I had to wait. And not only that, if for example, if you get transferred to someone else, you're going to have to tell your story again. Yep. Whereas a text written message, it's forwarded to someone else. You're not telling the story again. It's the same piece, the same article you sent that's being read by someone else. So even that is also an accelerator on its own. So here's the point. For those listening on the uh, on the consumer side, on the customer mm-hmm. side, text is good. Text in any form, whether from whatever channel. Don't think that that's a secondary place you don't want to go. Uh, our research has shown that 71% of people are willing to try digital support. Even though there is a human involved, uh, it's still considered digital. You're not actually talking to the person. So please, uh, everybody listening, consider this as an option. Now, I know we're running out of time. We only have a few minutes. So I've got two really important questions. I want to talk about a local, I say local, a national airline here in the U.S., you know, worldwide. Frontier Airlines are actually more regional even. They're well-known, but they made a decision uh, probably about two months ago to go humanless on the support center, meaning there are probably humans in the background working, but you can't call and get help anymore. You've got to go through traditional or non-traditional channels. Furthermore, uh, I did an article about this and they said that um, you can eventually talk to somebody if you need to, but it's going to go through channels and all your all your complaints and problems and issues will be read by somebody, which means it's not happening right now. My flight just got canceled. I got delayed. I need to know what a connection is. So uh, how do you feel about the complete uh, elimination of the true, what we would define as customer support department for this particular company? And by the way, any company that's deciding to do it. Correct. So we're pointing out Frontier just as the forerunner of this decision, but I think many might be enticed to go down this path. What I would say is if you're working in an industry and your choice is to automate everything, and if we're talking about airlines, soon planes will be flown completely without a pilot. It will be an automated. And then all of a sudden, this company or this brand becomes a commodity. And yeah. It's no longer able to differentiate itself. So if that happens, what will distinguish one commodity from another? The price. If what these companies want to do is go down the path where the ultimate decision of the customer will be based just on price, they're going to go bankrupt. So it is not a sustainable financial model. Therefore, when we're talking about the human factor, the human difference, when we're talking about you know giving that customer the care they deserve, that is the differentiating factor in anything. Even if we take Apple, they might make the best product, but they have the best support. 
if any of these variables change, they no longer will have the best product. And the best product allows you to have pricing power. And if you lose pricing power with the crisis we're coming, we're facing imminently, you're going to lose customers and very quickly, and you're going to pay a fortune to recover them in the future. So don't cost, you know, don't cut prices now or don't cut your investment now because it's going to cost you tenfold in the near future to get back to where you were. Well, I love this answer. That is uh, perfect. All right. Uh, again, tight on time. Uh, one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about was personalization. Can you give us a minute or two just on your your take on why this is really, really important today and, and define personalization for us in a Absolutely. succinct manner? Okay. So personalization is going back in time when, you know, all the 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 omens of marketing said the future will be marketing one-to-one, which is a the capability of understanding each customer's need and tailoring to their exact needs. So as if your company were able to be the tailor to make the perfect suit for each and every customer. We know that it's humanly impossible to do this. We also know that it's humanly impossible to create as many segments to be able to pursue this idea of personalization. So obviously we need systems in the back end working for us in order to help us tailor what that would be. And again, because uh, you know, contacting customer support will have you today speaking to an agent, tomorrow to another agent, in order to facilitate that transfer of capability of differentiation, it has to be something sitting in the background as if it were a, you know, a, a cheat sheet telling that agent, this is what the customer will most likely want. This is what you should direct to this customer. And to achieve that, first of all, you have to have a massive amount of information, but you also have to have a massive amount of feedback, whether or not the information you hold is actually being effective and it's working its way. And if you're not doing that by directional, you know, constant analysis, then you're not going to be able to personalize. So personalization is a mix of doing, but then listening, getting feedback and saying we're doing good or we need to do better. Right. I like that. So personalization, very important. You know, we asked our our research year after year after year, thousands of consumers, how important this is. And, and, and personalization popped up in the top five or six things are important. Okay. We want to do business with places that know us. I There is a TV show back in the 70s, maybe early 80s, called Cheers. I don't know if you're familiar with Cheers. I, I know it so well. And the theme song is, you know, everybody wants to where go to a place. Where everybody knows your name. Where everybody yeah. knows your name. And, Absolutely. and I think that's that's the beginning of personalization. I want you to know me. And if you know me, exactly. you can help me better and I'll feel connected to you. By the way, yes. even though you just talked to us about the lack of, you know, let's not make things 100% digital, you can still do this digitally, can't you? I mean, it's it's the capability Absolutely. is the there. Same, the same way as, for example, it's back in the past, we used to have the Rolodex so that we could keep our contacts close to us. And... The Rolodex. Now, that's a term yeah. that the uh, <laughs> Gen Zs and millennials go, what's a Rolodex? <laughs> they, they won't have a, a clue, but it was like a crib note that would help us, you know, get that contact we needed. Again, taking to the example of Cheers, which is great. If you're a bartender serving 100 customers, you're going to be able to memorize all of them. But if all of a sudden you're serving 10,000 customers, it's impossible, it's humanly impossible to memorize that amount of information. So this is where you need assistance. And these little guides, these little helpers, which are these digital or these artificial agents, are here to help you exceed your human limitations, but inherently being as human as you can. So we we always see this, these being human enhancers and never human replacers. Mm, yep. All right. Last and final question I ask this of every guest. Here we go. It's a real simple, short answer. Is there one last nugget of information that you would like to share with us? 
something we absolutely have to know. So, yeah, one of the things I would say is that customer support is so many times detached from the remaining reality or the remaining, you know, data sets within a company. And we feel that it's one of the most important silos of information. And we feel that the silo should break free and be promptly available across an organization. And this is something we're doing uh, increasingly with Clientscape. So it's not just stitching against, you know, the customer stories or the customer requests. It's also funneling this to every time a customer might be visiting your website using more intelligent and more frictionless ways of logging in and authenticating, making that easier, not having to force this customer to have a terrible password and forgetting about it. So it's even working on the end of self-fulfillment and self-service, bringing a more coherent and a more effective way of working with the customer. And if we bridge all of that together, the, 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 and that's where the name Clientscape comes from, it's your customer's digital landscape, therefore the Clientscape. If you have that breadth of knowledge, the actions you can take about and the way you can personalize becomes your, you know, your biggest advantage when compared to your competition. Yeah. Excellent answer. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is why we call this amazing business radio. Paulo, thanks for being on our show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chef. I enjoyed being here. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. Please tune in. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.